assuming that I actually uploaded this on Sunday. Only time will tell on that one. But hello, welcome to Screen Speak. This is the podcast that's all about movies, life, and oh so much more. I'm joined once again by the spectacular Adam Wall. He is back. It's good to see you, man, on the Lord's Day. It is, yes. Uh, the Lord's Day. I mean, I think talking Spider Man on on that day. That's that's what he, that's what he would have wanted. Or, I, or on, she. Or she. You ever feel yeah. weird about that? Like people always say that about God. They're just like, you know, oh, that's what that's what the Lord is. He he is all powerful. I'm like, why are we assuming it's a dude or a woman I, or anything? Yeah, I feel like assuming it as a human figure is the only thing that like us humans have to go off of like assuming that it's like a draft or assuming that it's like a, a three-headed alien monster like i feel like it god is not supposed to really have a physical form or at least in christianity it isn't i guess i don't know too much yeah. about other religions but There's i guess we need there. some semblance of like this is god guys so you can show it to kids and they can like sort of understand what's going on but yeah you're right yeah god yeah. is actually spider-man that's who god is yeah that, that's who it is it's peter <laughs> parker yeah, that, that, peter that'd, that'd parker be... <laughs> His real secret—that's what his—that's what his real secret identity is. It's, uh, you know, Spider-Man is the cover-up for the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So Adam, you—you've actually. This has been your idea actually for a while to to talk about Spider-Man and and a couple of Spider-Man movies. We are actually talking Spider-Man one, two, and three on this, as opposed to just one. But what made you want to talk about this movie uh, with with me or the the series of movies? So I, I've just had kind of a, I've had a weird connection to these movies in the past. And also I think it's, I don't know, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into these movies and there's honestly a lot that I could talk about with them. So I'm glad you want to do these movies with me, Jordan, because like there, there's a lot of interesting things going on. They're just really fun movies too, to talk about because they're very in their own realm of things when it comes to superhero movies specifically. Um, no, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I love these movies. The Spider-Man movies are fantastic, and I've, like, grown up watching them as a kid, and I don't know. I feel like there's also a lot of, like, different ways we could talk about how the superhero movie has kind of adapted over time, For sure. how people see superhero movies differently, <laughs> how the characters are built differently, and all those different things. There's, there's a lot of things I want to talk about with this movie, so that's kind of why, <laughs> that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. I haven't, so I've saw spider-man 2 like a month ago probably and that's kind of also why i like text you after i saw the movie i'm like dang i forgot how good these movies are i need to text jordan i want to i want to talk about these so i watched spider-man 2 like a month ago and then i watched spider-man 1 today because i wanted to like refresh a little bit about the movie i haven't seen spider-man 3 in a while but i did some like research and remember the plot and everything like that spider-man 3 was already kind of a haze and we'll go into a little bit more maybe but so that's that's been that's my background but I don't know. What, what's your take on the Spider-Man movies, Jordan? What's your initial well, your initial thoughts? Well, I mean, for a start, um, you know, the last time that I talked about Spider-Man on Screen Speak was actually recently. Uh, if if you go back, uh, just I think maybe one or two episodes ago, I I had my buddy Jonathan on uh, from New Orleans, uh, the Louisiana area, and he he's a big MCU guy, and he wanted to talk Spider-Man No Way Home and and some of the Marvel stuff. So. Obviously, most recently, that's why I bring it up, because those that iteration of Spider-Man is what I am, you know, familiar with right now. But, I mean, I definitely grew up on the ones that we're talking about today. Uh, I really do think if I go back into, like, my earliest movie memories specific to, like, superhero films, pretty certain that Spider-Man 1 was, like, 
the first superhero movie I can recall seeing on the big screen, I think. I mean, it's possible I maybe saw, like, like maybe one of the Tim Burton Batman movies when I was, like, an infant or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Spider-Man was my first, like, real exposure to big screen, uh, you know, superhero adaptations. Uh, and, and anyways, to, to answer your question just simply, uh, I love them. Uh, I, I mean, Spider-Man 1 is amazing. Spider-Man 2 does one of the rare things where it's like a sequel is arguably better than the original. Uh, it yep. improves upon the first one a lot. And then the third one, the third one we'll get to because it's actually, I think, become more of an interesting movie over the years because of all the memes and, and different things that have been made out of it. Uh, but the, the third one definitely has its problems, but it's also not without certain elements that are correct but i i still think the third one's a let down but the first two are fantastic i was well i was when i was watching the first one again today that was that was one of the funniest things i noticed was like how many memes have come from the first star wars movie or not the first spider-man movie oh my gosh dude like there's just like one every single scene where it's like either it's like he's taking the glasses off or putting them back on again or i'm i'm somewhat of a scientist myself (laughs) but just like there's so many different memes that have come out of that movie and I like I think that kind of like it comes from the fact that that movie just has so much charm to it, and it's and we'll go into kind of just like the general theme of the movies or just the general vibe of how they're presented in a comedic sense, in yeah. a character sense, and all these different ways, where they just they they don't take themselves seriously at all, and they do it in a way that feels like cheesy almost. But it's so funny to like watch them again now and like kind of like see that cheesiness. Because it's something I feel like you don't really see very much in today's movies as much, or you don't see very much in today's movies, and I I don't know, it's it's got it's got a special place in my heart, man. The first I okay, so the we probably have a different experience, honestly, with watching um, the Spider-Man movies because yeah. I'm a bit younger than you. So the first movie came out when I was three, so oh, I no. did not I didn't see <laughs> yeah, so I didn't see the first movie until I think. I have a very interesting experience with seeing the first movie because I think I was seven or eight and I was a sheltered child. Like my parents did not show me violence. They did not show me like scary movies or anything like that. And I remember my grandma was babysitting me one night and she was just, I mean, she was like an old woman and she didn't give a shit about anything. She was the best. I loved her so much. And she was like, ah, the kid will like these kids will like Spider Man. So she puts on Spider Man for us, and I specifically like vividly remember the graveyard scene in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, just how honestly the the first movie is pretty gory, and like it's just burned in my head that movie kind of because of how scared I was after watching it. Like I didn't sleep for like two days or something. But so I had it was it was an interesting <laughs> first experience with the Spider Man movie. But I don't know. I watched them when I was a little bit older could understand a little bit more of what was going on and i don't know i i love the movies today even though even though that graveyard scene is burned in my head you know, <laughs> you know i i don't think spider-man the first one ever had like an effect like that on me i i can certainly say there have been certain movies that even if they're not like a, a horror movie per se like certain scenes if you see them at a younger age they kind of bother you a little bit because like there's still elements of it yeah uh, the graveyard scene I mean, in particular, I mean, that last fight, it, it is for a, a PG-13 even, it's like, you know, it's pretty brutal. Like, they're getting, you know, clean punches across the face, there's blood flying, uh, yeah. there's debris, like, it's, it's dirty. Um, I, and I, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, I also know that, at least for the, sp- the first two Spider-Man uh, movies, I also like the video games that came with them. 
Uh, oh. Spider-Man. Once we get to Spider-Man 2, I can talk about delivering pizzas in Manhattan because that's <laughs> always a good time on the GameCube and PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, so let's. Here, here's what I think we should do because this is the first time actually on Screen Speak that I'm, you know, talking about three movies uh, as opposed to just one. So let's just start with the OG, you know, with the number one, Spider-Man. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. So. Spider-Man 1 comes out in the theaters. I think, you know, even at the younger age, and we both have said that we were young, uh, respectively, when we watched it. But I I definitely think it it set the bar, at least a new bar for superhero movies, because there had been ones that had preceded it, but not quite in that real summer blockbuster, like, make piles of cash way, like Spider-Man did. And I just think that Spider-Man got a lot right. Um, what I guess what what about the first one kind of stands out to you? Well, well, before before we get to what stands out to me, I listened to some more research I did before I came on this podcast. Is I listened to the No Way Home podcast that you and Jonathan did. Right. I didn't I didn't finish. It. I only got like fifty minutes in because we had to do this. But I I thought it was very interesting to hear your guys' take on like how Spider Man kind of created superhero movies and how it like. Yeah. really influenced especially your guys's perspectives into when you came of age and started getting interested in movies spider-man was the superhero movie that came out mm-hmm. and it's interesting listening to that because like for me that was iron man like iron man was the movie yeah. when i turned 12 or 13 <laughs> that was the movie i'm like this is what a superhero movie is i feel like you guys have a very different perspective of it where you see something like you you came into knowing superhero movies with something like spider-man sure. and that kind of evolved into what marvel is and what iron man did differently yeah. And all those different things. I don't know. I think it's very interesting. But you're right that I think the first Spider-Man movie did a lot right in being able to be enjoyed by everyone. Everyone, I think, yeah. loves this movie in their own sort of way. And they see the charm in it. But also, like, having a very distinct element of itself to it. I don't know. It does It does a good job of being a weird movie. But at the same time, everyone likes it, you know? So I think it, I think there's, a lot, actually, there's actually a lot of elements of the movie that are grounded. And I think that... Is important because other movies beforehand, I mean, like there have been like Batman and Superman stuff, like there was always some, I would say, more over the top sense. Even the world itself, like, you know, was like, like weirdly colorful or there'd be like real big characters in it. So you you never really fully bought into it. And I do feel that Sam Raimi set the tone in the first one that. Nah, like, I mean, there is a guy that's like, you know, flying around billions with the web and stuff like that, but it's a very believable story and a relatable one, too. I mean, I think Peter Parker as a character, his story is relatable because he's, you know, an outcast, so to speak. He's got kind of, you know, a troubled home life and that he doesn't have like his, his father uh, and his mother. So he's like estranged in a way. And, you know, so there's a lot of things I think on that that work. Um and, uh, so for the first one, okay, I'll just I'll, I'm gonna kind of bullet point the things I feel that worked in the first okay. one, and I'll talk about the things that didn't because you know not every movie's perfect, and Spider-Man is certainly yeah. no exception. That's true. Um, yeah. First off, uh, Tobey Maguire, I really liked his performance. Now I can't say I'm someone that like ate up the comics and was like, well, you know, he's not as like smart alecky and blah 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 blah, but. I think I just go off of an actor and I felt like he really humanized Peter Parker and had emotion when it mattered. I also hate like when he talked about the memes and whatnot. It bothers me that the Uncle Ben crying scene has become a meme. Yeah. Because like, dude, like that scene, that scene, I'm not kidding. Like that scene when I first saw it, like I 
I felt it that first time. Like I genuinely got emotional. And then uh, uh, Cliff Robertson, that's the actor that plays Uncle Ben. Yeah. When he's down there, he's got the tears in his eyes. And, like you can tell, like he's trying to like you know tell Peter like he's sorry for the fight in the car and all that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Dude. No, yeah. It was so it was so hard too because like the last thing that Peter said to him, he was just telling him off in like a teenager way. You're just like, oh god, dude, yeah. this hurts. Yeah, no, it was a it's a very emotional moment. It, it does. So I liked I liked the acting. I liked the acting. I thought uh, uh, Kristen Dunst, uh, she was good. Mary Jane Watson, James James Franco, uh, he played Harry, I think, to a T. And then of course Willem Dafoe. I mean, like the guy is so good as Green Goblin doing the heckle and jive, uh, heckle and I'm gonna try and say heckle and the hell is. It? You know what I'm talking uh, about, right? Well, like, I, I always thought, Hyde and like... Jekyll? Hyde and Jekyll? Am I stupid? Yeah, Jacqueline like, Hyde. Jacqueline Hyde. Jacqueline Holy Hyde. crap. Like, I just, the audience out there is just like, holy crap. Like, this could be... <laughs> holy... Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. He did that very well. Uh, J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, that, that's, like, such great casting. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing that I just liked about it overall too, uh, is like, I did like the action. Like there's some really good set piece moments in it. Uh, yep. the apartment being on fire when like they're doing that slow-mo thing where he's dodging like the, the blade, oh, the like, okay, blade like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Elfman's score for the movie. Like it's now iconic. I feel like the music of those Spider-Man movies. Yeah, uh, really, really good. And then I also think that uh, did think that Sam Raimi appropriately used his horror roots of like Evil Dead and things like that to sometimes make the suspense be a bit more like a horror movie in certain scenes. Like you talked about the graveyard scene. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And then it also just has a good message too. I mean, that this was again, you, you have to remember the time of this movie. It was before like Peter Parker had kind of been done to death, you know, where it's like, okay, we get it. Uncle Ben's dead. And, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Like this started all that. Yeah. Um, and so I thought from a writing standpoint, they did a good job of, of, you know, a person coming of age and like realizing that, yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. And I, I liked how they tied that into the first movie. So yeah. now, now real quick, <laughs> what what doesn't always work, and it, and it especially feels apparent today when you compare it to how well they've kind of, you know kind of gotten the formula down on these superhero movies. Yeah, I feel like in the first Spider-Man in particular, people always kind of nitpick the costume, like the Green Goblin costume. They think it looks like a Power Ranger <laughs> a couple of times. Like I, I I've heard that complaint here and there, and and I get it. Like, he's got, like, that big, like, cone head thing. And, yeah, it's very you know, plasticky he, he, looking. Yeah, very plasticky looking. And I'm not going to defend it. I mean, yeah, like, if you watch it now, there's way better, co you know, costumes that have come into play. Oh, yeah. Um, but the first one, I don't really have a lot of a lot of complaints. I mean, it's a very well-rounded movie. Uh, it's, a, it's a good movie. I, yeah, I agree. Here, I took some notes today from when I watched the movie. Yeah, what, what some, notes did you take? Some of uh, my favorite parts were Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Like, I honestly, like, he, we can we can go a little bit more into this, but he's my favorite Spider-Man because yeah. <clears throat> I love the, and I know maybe it's not exactly what the comic books say, like you guys were talking about in No Way Home, but I very much love the like awkward dude that doesn't talk to girls that doesn't yeah. like know how to do anything that's a stupid <clears throat> teenager i very much love that aspect of spider-man and it feels very like i don't know it just made, it allows me to see myself a lot better as spider-man and it allows me to connect to him a lot more because he feels so much more human mm -hmm. than superheroes you see much more often today i think <clears throat> so 
I I love Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I think it's the perfect level of sometimes you could tell when he's just being arrogant and stupid, and you could tell when he's like being a loser and he doesn't think of himself as anything. Like he's very good at portraying very specific emotions yeah. and mm-hmm. holding like his character to like I don't know. It's he he does a great job as Spider-Man. I also um, so, sorry, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, I'm thinking of, like, some of the story elements in the movie, and, and one that I always liked, and I feel like, even in the second Spider-Man, which we'll get to, there, there's sort of a, a, a similar a similar dynamic that's going on, but I really like the relationship between uh, Tobey Maguire and Willem Dafoe in the movie. Oh, yeah. It was great. Well, I know, I, what I liked about it is that, and, and again, like, I, the second Spider-Man echoes it a little bit, but, like, Willem Dafoe, it's like, you know, you actually like him, like, before he becomes the Green Goblin. You're like, this guy's actually a pretty, like, good-hearted dude. But it's oh, yeah. Like, work hard. like, he's trying to do, like, right for his loser son, Harry, that, you know, keeps, can't, can't, can't get him straight in school. So he's, yeah. he makes a crack in the car. I thought that. He's just like, what? It's like, you failed every, every private school I was saying, too. <laughs> but, but what I liked is that, you know, because Peter, of course, doesn't have his father. And yet... Willem Dafoe, it's like he almost it's like what could have been. That's what yeah. that's what I think works for it is because like when he goes bad, you're just like, oh man, like it's such a shame because like if he hadn't gone bad, he could have looked up to him as like a father figure. And yeah, I, and I really I like that. I like and that. even even too in the way he goes bad, I, you feel kind of bad because he's just like he's being pressured by the board, he's being pressured by generals and different things like that, and he like he believes in the science experiment to work. And he like puts himself on he puts himself on the line to do it and it just like goes crazy and he turns crazy. That was but also, um sorry, you talked about the board, like you know, trying to pressure him and everything like that. That's one yeah. thing I, I it's been a it's been a minute since I've rewatched the movies, but I've seen them many times so I can talk about them easily. Yeah. But I, I don't think I ever quite like figured out why they hated them so much. Like why they're just like, We want you out, your equipment sucks. That, you know, that was Aerotech or whatever it is, is like they're they're we're we're gonna buy their contract. You suck. Get out. Well, well, it was like so. Initially, it was his science experiment didn't have any human trials yet, and Aerotech oh, yeah, was yeah, having yeah. human trials. So it was timelines yeah, they, they, at the start. They felt like he was being slow. Yeah, and then yeah. it developed more into I think his ego or something like that. Well, why the board basically just like shut him out and he killed the people on the board. So <laughs> they definitely it was definitely like a one off line that didn't really matter. And you just needed to know they had, like the board was cutting him out and they didn't like him. And then the Green Goblin comes in and like is like, all right, guys, we got to get rid of him kind of thing. You know, I thought I like the Jack on Hyde moments where like he's facing the mirror and like the way the editing is done. So you never like see his face change or anything like that. You could just tell who's talking to the other person. Yeah fantastic all un- unbelievable editing unbelievable acting by willem dafoe green goblin is an amazing villain i think and it, was, it was also one of the things i wrote down of, that i love about this movie is the complexities of willem dafoe as a character the complexities of the villain of green goblin and how it works mm-hmm. and it all kind of makes sense too i don't know like you're right the costume is definitely weird and cheesy but mm-hmm. I'll give I'll give it credit. I think the tech is really cool. Like his like flying thing is yeah, kind of fun. His pumpkin and the, bombs and his pumpkin bombs and his like uh, blade things. Those are all really cool. So I think he's a really cool villain, and I love the way he interacts with his son, with Peter in the movie, 
how there's like the scene where Peter like has the cut coming back and Willem Dafoe realizes that Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah. And just like that instant, just like blank expression on his face. It's, I don't know. There's a lot of tension in that scene. Um, Yeah, no. You know, like you you really actually think you're like, okay, he actually might get caught. Like Peter Parker might get caught in this scene. Uh, I want to talk, go back to, you know, the boardroom stuff real quick. Okay. I, I still remember in the theater and even in subsequent viewings, I always kind of jump a little bit because it's great sound editing in particular is the part where, you know, like they're saying like, you know, like we're, we're going to be, you know, sign the deal with them and uh, you're going to be basically fired. We're, we're forcing you to step down. Yeah. You know? and, and, and he does that part where he's just like, you can't do this to me. And then like, it's, like, really, it's really quiet. He's just like, and he like freaks out. He's like, you know how much I sacrificed? And I always like actually get pretty freaked out, but that's just to credit uh, Willem Dafoe and his acting. He's so the dude's good. a scary man. Like dude, he was, has yeah. he has a very animated face. I, I think yeah. I actually saw he did an interview recently, or I don't know. He does a lot of interviews, but I saw him do an interview where he's just like, uh, I, it's like I just I can't help that I kind of have a freaky face. Like I, <laughs> I, I I have a lot of expressions I can do with my face. He's like that's just that's just how I am. We uh, love Willem Dafoe here at Screenspeak. Um, go see the, our Lighthouse podcast if you haven't. Uh, yeah, that's right. We've uh, talked about him before. Yeah, what a legend, dude, honestly. But, like, in Lighthouse, too, he also just, like, the way they do the lighting in that movie, and yeah. he's just, like, the most scary-looking guy you've ever met in your life. Like, he was a great pick for the Green Goblin in this movie. What are, are, there any other, are there any other Willem Dafoe movies that, that you like? Uh, what else have I seen by him? Uh... I can't think of any off the top of my head. What are some that you like? Um, well, of course, you know, everyone talks about Platoon. I mean, Platoon is really good. And, it, you know, he has that iconic moment where, spoiler alert, he gets blasted in half by the Vietnamese. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, Platoon is really good. Um, let, me see, let me see what else. He's had like he's actually had a couple of good supporting roles here and there over the years. I, I actually yeah. always liked the the Denzel Washington movie Inside Man. He he uh-huh. plays like one of like the head SWAT team officers in that movie, and and that's just a good bank heist movie. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen that movie. That sounds good. That was, I'm that looking was, I'm looking up his movies now, and he was in Finding Nemo. That's right. He was a uh, he's Gil. He's, he's Gil. Gil. Yeah, that's right, dude. That was also a great pick. Gil's a fucking creep, dude. He was a scary guy. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. It's so funny. Uh, I'm like, oh, I gotta share my screen. Okay. Oh my god, jeez. <laughs> like, this is literally the first thing that came up. I, I, I think this is actually a, a scene from Speed 2, because I'm pretty okay. sure that he's the bad guy in that. Yeah. like, Jesus. Jeez, man. Okay. Oh, yeah, uh, let, me, let me, actually, here, I, I can share this. He is in uh, The Northman. Did you ever see that? I haven't, but I've heard about it. And... I've heard it's I've heard it's pretty good, but I heard it like flopped unbelievably at the same time. It flopped so. a lot, and it's a real shame because I really liked it. But what I will say is where I think the flop came in is that from a story perspective, there are arguments to be made that it's like pretty like predictable. Like okay. it's 
you know, it's a very classic revenge tale. You know, okay. you're not, it's not too surprising what happens. Of course, you see uh, Boondock Saints. Right there. Boondock Saints. Yeah, that's a great one. Paul Dude. Smecca. Uh, American Psycho. He has a couple weird scenes with Christian Bale there. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like now on all this. <laughs> We're Dude, going he, gets, in. he gets he gets brutally killed in the first John Wick. Like, where, where was he in John Wick? Was he the he main like bad guy? No, he's like the assassin friend. Oh, that, like, yeah. Kind of protecting him, and, and then the Russian guy like ends up just wasting him at the end to draw John Wick out. That's right. I do remember that. Yeah, John Wick's a great movie too. Oh man, we should talk about that. Uh, did you see the trailer for the fourth one? I've not. I've only seen the first two. Actually, I need to. Really? I need to see some more of them. Yeah, I haven't seen oh, the third dude. one yet. I've heard the third one's really good, but I just you I haven't should, had time to see it. That would, I'm trying to. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get back to not sharing my screen here. <laughs> okay. How do I not share this anymore? Okay. Stop sharing. Um, no. So I've been following a bunch of the different trailers from Comic Con. You've been uh-huh. seeing any of those? Because they. Have, it's mostly superhero movies. Like they have Black Panther two and Shazam two and. Uh, uh, Freaking Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam. I, I don't know how to feel about that. Wait, wait, who is what? Black Adam. I think he's in the Shazam universe. He's a DC character. Um, but Dwayne Johnson and The Rock is going to play him. And I guess he's been lobbying oh. like for the party. He's been like, it's like a passion project. He's been trying to get the movie made for like forever. Um, Interesting. I don't well, know. that sounds cool. At least maybe. I don't know. What what what, do, what are your gripes about it? What's what's your this is going to go poorly about it? It's not. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry if that's like the tone that comes across. I think it's Man. just Dwayne Dwayne Johnson. I think he's got a lot of charisma and he's and he's cool in certain movies, but it's sort of like a Ryan Reynolds thing to me. Yeah, he just kind of feels like Dwayne Johnson in every movie. I don't really feel like he's actually a character sometimes. He's never. Yeah, I can't recall a movie where he doesn't play Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Right? I, yeah, I, I just feel like he's always kind of playing versions of himself, but he's never really like doing anything that's different. No, yeah, he's he's always playing the exact same character, and the character is always a very generic, bland superhero esque whatever it may be, maybe like big buff man with big gun, something something along those lines, basically. And then he's charismatic and says quippy lines and different things like that. You know, I, 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 agree mean, I, 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 I should knock it though. I mean, he's got his own tequila line. He's making a bunch of movies, that HBO stuff. Like he's busy and, and you know, he's obviously in great shape, except I'm pretty certain that he's on steroids, but he's, he's most I, definitely on some steroids, <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. We we love you, Rock. Happy I, screen speak. <laughs> yeah, you were the Rock. You should join us on Screen sometime. He's definitely listening to this. He's definitely listening. <laughs> we'll get we'll, we'll get in touch with his people. You know, we'll yeah, we'll we'll. I don't even. What, he actually has a production company too. I can't think what it's what it's called. It's called like like Roundhouse Kick to the Face Production. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I that's such like, a that's such a the Rock name. The Rock. Oh he can't help but be himself. Yeah, they can't. Oh yeah, Seven Bucks Productions. Because I think like he he called it that. Because like when he first started, he he always talked about he's like I got I had like seven bucks in my pocket when I first started, and uh, <laughs> I I rose from nothing to everything. I kind of okay. I will say I kind of hate that mentality. Like there he does that, and uh, the short guy. Uh, what's his name? Short guy. Uh, yeah, the guy. He always does stuff with the Rock. He's uh, a well, comedian. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah, they both have that mentality where they're like. 
Yeah, man. I just I started from nothing, but now I grind for 18, 19 hours a day, and I'm just I'm just doing stuff all the time. You know, I'm just doing yeah. stuff all the time. I don't know. Like, I understand they're trying to like. I don't know if they're trying to like make people be motivated <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's a little. It's just kind of weird because it's just like, okay, man. Like, you're you're yeah. a, a big movie star. I feel like some normal schmuck off the street like me is not going to get anything out of you telling me to work. That's because you have no in your heart. <laughs> you no, you need to work at it. Get the grind going. Yeah, I just I don't, I don't believe in the system, man. I don't believe in the in the work that needs to be put in. You know, I feel like that that's how it is too. They always just say all these buzzwords and there's never any like there's yeah. no like do this and do this. It's always just like you gotta just like work hard and believe in your dreams, you know. Oh, I know. And it's that's just like it's just like okay, man, I will, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I I admit I get a little uh, it gets a little tiresome after a while when like you hear those things and like you said it's like okay like you're you're pumping me up but you're not actually giving me concrete advice for like what do I do yeah especially I mean, like when I hear like actors actors specifically talk like one of the things that drives me crazy is uh, I've only I've only ever seen like a few handful of interviews where like they're actually giving like pretty honest real answers of like how to do it but like most actors they're not about to tell you well this is what the steps i had to do to get an agent this is how i had to get proper representation this is how i got into the screen actors deal like they're not telling you actual things they're just like ah just you gotta audition a lot and yeah gotta work hard get them and and just work hard and and then eventually you'll get to be a a superhero movie like it's, it's that simple I forgot who it was, but I think it was maybe Hugh Jackman. It was either Hugh Jackman or Taylor Swift, which is like, oh, interesting. They don't really relate, but I remember one of them saying, like, like, super, like, uh, big TV people and big movie people are like the last people you should listen to to get like solid advice from, because most <laughs> of the time, getting that famous is just like luck base, and they, oh, the yeah. things they did in their life only got them like they didn't. Though doing the, everything that mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman does does not like get you, it, it doesn't make you Hugh Jackman, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into being who you are and just like listening to a movie star tell you to work hard and believe in yourself is just like, I don't know. Have you ever listened to the cast of Spider-Man 1 to do anything? Have they given you life advice through a video? I haven't seen any of them do that. I mean, one of them pretty outspoken, but he doesn't really like do that. I haven't heard anything Tobey Maguire's ever said outside of the Spider-Man movies. I my seen... my roommate was telling me that apparently he like yells at TMZ people or something yeah. like that. <laughs> well, yeah, tell a, us about that, George. Tell us about there, that. Okay, so there's a great video. Um, you know, in fact, actually, let me. Yeah, I can do that. I can I can loop an audio for it. It would be absolutely worth it. Uh, so let me. Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard for me to like even talk about it without laughing. Okay, so in this next section that you're about to hear on screen speak, Tobey Maguire is trying to get out of a parking lot, and the paparazzi are blocking him, and he is not happy. Here we go. Toby! Toby! 
Let him go, you no, can't we, see! We got you blocked. Let him go, you can't see! You can't block him in, guys! It's against go, the law! Go, go, go! No, no. You guys need you're to back up, I can't the see the cars. Okay, back up, great. guys. You you're, can't see the cars. Right, right, right. They got Get the fuck out of the way! I can't see! There are cars there, motherfucker! Get they're, out of the way! They're stopped for you, dude. We block, we're blocking the cars for you. Thank you, Spider-Man. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I don't uh, know. I, I feel like. Did you watch it? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I hate paparazzi as a whole. No, dude. Like, and like, okay, like they're absolutely crowding his car. And yeah. I think like with the flash is like he's trying to like see if he can merge onto the road. And he's like, I can't see. Like, get the f out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> dude, yeah, I. Like, that seems like a strange profession, paparazzi, like going around just like being like, hey, did you see that Tobey Maguire threw away some trash out on 6th Street? Like, I don't Sophia, care. Sophia, my girlfriend, for those of you who don't know the screen speak lore, she's been she's on the been, podcast a few on, times. Yeah. But she is really into, she's been listening to a podcast recently about Princess Diana. And oh, okay. it goes like a deep dive onto who Princess Diana was and who she is. And it was, they talked a lot about the paparazzi because that was a big part of kind of who she was because apparently, right. like, if you get a picture of Princess Diana, like, on a beach somewhere, a magazine company would give you two to three million pounds, apparently, was what a picture was going for. Yeah. So, like, I was, I was listening to that. I'm like, I, like, I don't know. I was... I always thought paparazzi were just absolute scum of the planet because I'm like, dude, come on, you're really just you're gonna you're gonna invade these these real people's lives and just like try to take pictures of them. It's just it's very weird and it's like very immoral. Yeah. But listening to that amount of money too, you're like, oh my gosh, like I mean, like I I I can I can feel bad for these paparazzi, but I feel like we should blame more magazines or people that read these magazines that are like well, taking yeah. exploitation from these paparazzi people. It's, it's, like, it's, a, it's a combination of things on the subject of paparazzi. I mean, I think first and foremost, the thing that I get annoyed with is, is I, I do get annoyed like when celebrities are always standoffish against them. I, and I mean like always, like, even the ones that are like, I would say doing it respectfully, like they're yeah. still getting pissed off. Part of me, it's like, okay, like if you are going to put yourself out there on such a public platform and you're out there for millions of people to see and like you're enjoying the fame, to me, it's part of the price. Like yep. it's it's part of the it's part of the job it's occupational hazard like mm -hmm. you kind of have to do it, but yep. then at the same time there's ones that I would say are the slimy ones you know yep. like they they follow like you when you're dropping your kids off to school and it's like okay dude like like get out of my space like you don't yeah, no one cares about this don't show up to like my house said. at three a.m. like what are you then, doing like you said it's like there, there's clearly people out there that. I don't know, have no life or they realize that their magazine will sell more more issues if they get that picture of Princess Diana on the beach. So I, I don't am. know. I mean, it's a combination of things, but I think I don't know, if you're if you're in the uh if you're in the limelight, you're in the spotlight, yeah, I think you just got to kind of roll with that and, and hopefully you just kind of kill them with kindness. Though I did see that one video, we're talking about paparazzi outrage and then we'll finish Spider-Man 1. Yeah. <laughs> Move on to Did you see the did you see that video of uh, Tom Hanks, like, telling the paparazzi to back the F off because they got too close to his wife? 
Oh really? No, I didn't see that. That's just funny because you like you never usually see Tom Hanks just like open. No, he's never mad. He has yeah. like, a very good guy, America's dad image. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but like that one, I kind of thought was a little excessive because the guy accidentally tripped and kind of like bumped into her. It wasn't on purpose. You can yeah. tell. But he probably just got like the you know the parental instinct like kicked in where it's just or the maternal instinct, whatever you call it. Oh, yeah. You know, where he's just like back the back the hell on. Huh? You're just like easy, Woody. Okay. Jeez, oh, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> Woody. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, all right, let's get back on track. So, Spider-Man One. Is there oh. any other thoughts that you have on that before we jump to Spider-Man Two? I actually do have a few more, if that's okay. Okay. It is okay. So one one point I would like to make is in this movie they do not hide the fact at all that the high schoolers are in their mid thirties. Oh yeah, it is no. so prevalent in this movie. They are just in their. Flash 30s. Thompson, like the the guy Joe Manganiello, the actor I can never pronounce his name. Yeah. yeah, that that dude, no way in hell that he is 17. No, yeah. It's so <laughs> funny, like, seeing him stand next to a locker, you're like, wait a minute, guys, come on. Come on, guys. Like, it's just, it was, it was like, a, it was a funny thing. I don't know. I feel like it kind of, it goes back to where the movie just has, like, a lot of charm where you can forgive things like that, and you're just not, like, it's, it's, it doesn't take itself seriously, so you just don't really oh, yeah. care. Where it's, like, really... the immerse, I don't know, go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I do really like when he does first discover the powers. I mean, like, one when it shoots out and it hits, like, the food tray, and he's just like, who? You know, I'm like, he, and he's genuinely freaked out about it, as he should be. If I had white stuff coming out of my arm, uh, yeah. that, that would be strange. Um, but then I also do like the, the, and this is where I think you're kind of touching on, like, the playful nature of Spider-Man, is when he first gets on the rooftop, he's like, okay, uh, go! Uh, <laughs> Fly, <laughs> like he has, he has no idea how to get him to do it, and, yeah. it, and it's cool because like that's that's believable. It's yeah, not like yeah. he just suddenly knows how to swing around and do acrobatics. It's like he's got to figure it out. Yeah, no, yeah, and I I think the the coming to the terms of figuring out your superpowers in this movie are fantastic. Like the the rage yeah. cage scene. Absolutely fantastic. Dude, Ma, dude, R.I.P. Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho, dude, R, Macho R, Man R, Randy R. Savage is the greatest. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, I saw there was a, some, it might have been like a Reddit forum or something I was reading, and I, I'm not, I'll, I'll try to tread carefully here on this, but I saw someone like say, Spider Man should be canceled. Sp Spider Man, you know, we like there's a scene in there that's that's offensive to to the to the LGBTQ people, and it's, and it's the scene where he like flips up there and he's like, "That's a cute outfit. Did your husband give it to you?" Oh yeah. But I'm like, but I'm like dude, I'm like that's it's funny because he's wearing no. like these like big tights and everything like that. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. It's, it's just I, I that's a whole nother subject, but where it's like people are trying to to take a movie that's like twenty years old and find something that they find socially offensive now. I'm like, come on. Yeah, no. I mean it was made at a different time, honestly. <laughs> like on if you put that joke in a movie today, it would cause a lot of backlash. But like oh, this was, it was it was the two thousands. Like it was just not something people really thought about, you know. And like can we I don't know. Yeah, there 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 is always the moral question question of like 
movies today, movies of the past, some of them haven't aged as well as other ones. Like, what sort of credit do we give them for that? What sort of leniency do we give them? I don't really know the answer to that. And no. Uh, no. That's, that's a tough thing. So. That's a whole separate podcast. Uh, that's a whole separate that, podcast. It, yeah. it is a subject I'm interested in talking about, but but I I don't think this this episode probably wouldn't be the best place to like get really into it. Yeah. Um. Now that said, I love Bone Saw. I like oh, like how his yeah. fans have like the the song. They're, like, <laughs> they're just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a I, when I watched the movie today. There was a side like it was like let him die or something <laughs> like that. It's just like, oh, this is great, dude. I don't know. Um, and of course, I I do appreciate that Sam Raimi does make the point of having Bruce Campbell be in all three of the movies as a cameo. Because in the first one, he's the wrestling announcer. The second one, he's the annoying theater ballet guy. And then the third one, he's the French waiter. I think. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh. Well, because he, that's, if, you know, anyone's a Sam Raimi fan, they know all about Evil Dead, Ash, yeah. that's the actor, that's like, that's like his buddy. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, any other thoughts on the first Spider-Man movie? I have one more thought, I'm sorry, I have one more thought. No, it's, it's But yeah. I wanted to talk about Mary Jane, and the character that is Mary Jane. Yeah, that's true. Because kind of I, I feel, it's weird, I, I honestly, she was one of the parts of the movie I just did not like. And she was a good actor. She did a good job. But just the way, I think just the way they, like, wrote, like, Damsel in Distress Woman's Woman, like, 20 years ago, it feels incredibly shallow. And it feels just weird. And especially where she's just, like, jumping from one dude to the next, where she's got the high school bully that has a new car. And, and it starts with that, and then it goes to the rich guy who's like, you know, he's got money. And then Willem Dafoe talks about like the, where like he tells her off about how she's gonna like take all of his money or something like that. There was a lot like, I don't know. They didn't really give her a character at all, and they gave her a character through the guy she was dating, and it just yeah, felt, it felt like it was a superhero movie. So like that's kind of just how they were written. And mm -hmm. I mean, you could argue they're still written today like that too, but it it makes it just it made me not like her at mm -hmm. all because she felt like just like a shell. She just felt like a hot woman that was there, oh, and yeah. we were just supposed to be in love with her. And it was just like I guess she's pretty, but like, what has she done? And she's also kind of uh -huh. treated Peter Parker like shit because he's she's just like dating all these other guys. And like, I mean, it's supposed to be okay, the whole that's, like that's like classic high school thing, though. The nice I guys know. finish last because they just want the bad hottie guy. Like, that's yeah, how it goes. That's I how know, it but it just it's weird. It's weird watching it because it's just like they take it very like that's just how the like the worst. I mean, if you're talking on that subject, I think the worst scene as far as like an offender for that would be the scene where the iconic upside down kiss happens, like the events leading up to it, because it's like, okay, Peter, I'll see you. And then, like, it starts to rain, and there's, like, these five guys, like, in hoodies, you know, and they see, and they're like, ugh, hot woman. <laughs> you know, and they just, like, go chase after her. She's like, get away from me. Well, yeah, too, it's also, like, they describe her, too, as, like, she's in love with, uh, I forget his name, Harry. She's in love with Harry or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then in the movie, she says, like, I think I've fallen in love with another. And it's just talking about, like, this Spider-Man guy she's never met. 
and has just saved her life twice. And it's just like, okay, really? You're just going to fall in love with this guy because he saved you twice? I just, yeah, I don't he know. He did the super sexy upside down kiss. I mean, be honest, yeah. man, it's the rain. They're both wet. I mean, like, the, I, there's definitely some tongue action happening there. It's a pretty it is. Kiss. It is I iconic. Mean, I, admit, I will give it young, that. As a young little boy, I watched that and I was like, ooh. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? It is iconic. Watching it now, though, it was just like, it was the one thing that really threw, it was the one character I didn't really like in the movie. Because she, she felt so one-dimensional. How many How many couples or guys have, have tried to do that upside-down kiss shit? Like, I, I bet. Like, they're just like, oh, we gotta try that. We gotta do that. I feel like every relationship, you've got to try to do that. I mean, I've done the upside-down kiss. I don't think I've done it to that extent. But, like, I, I of did. Are you it. hanging from a spider web? You haven't hung from a spider web, George? I haven't done from, no, I haven't done In the rain? No. <laughs> now I got to do, like, what the, the J. Jonah Jameson son does, the astronaut guy in the second one, where they sort of do it in the second oh, one, yeah. on the couch. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, but that's now. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, um... No, no, I mean, yeah, Mary Jane, like, she's, of course, and then, of course, they have the scene where she's falling from the bridge, because the goblin has her, you know, he's yeah. just like, you must choose between the children <laughs> and MJ. Yeah, I like that part, though, that's always, I always like the yeah, nice, the throw in the trolley problem, you gotta throw in the trolley problem, you know. I will, so. I gotta say, though, I mean, this, and this is dark, and this is, I guess, my last thought on the first Spider-Man, is it bad that... Sometimes when I watch that, I'm like, I do want, like, to, like either like the kids to die or like MJ to die because I sometimes it's like I'd like to see real consequence where they're not gonna figure out how to tie it all together. Where yeah. it's like, no, like, like it's like they're put in a lose lose situation. Like, well, let me let me. I think a good way, a great solution to that was the Dark Knight. Because I think yeah. when you when you it's so generic to have these superhero movies where it's like pick this Batman or this you know yeah. and yours are like okay he's gonna save them both like one of one of them isn't gonna die you know right and I feel like yeah. the Dark Knight did a fantastic job they of did a great like, job with that <laughs> of making taking that like generic superhero situation and making it different and making a surprise yeah. and something you didn't think about before. I don't know. Yeah. So that was a good example. He has, that, where he has that monologue where he's like, people are just kind of, you think they are children. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, I actually can't believe I haven't talked about the Dark Knight movies on here. Any of them. Oh, the Dark Knight's so good, dude. You'll have to do that. The, the Dark Knight is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Probably. Do you know what one of my favorite movies of all time is? What is that? It's Spider-Man 2. Oh, man. <laughs> Segway. Oh, man. Segway. No, uh, I actually... Okay, so Spider-Man 2. Um, Spider-Man 2, I really do think, like, it definitely, from a filmmaking perspective, improves upon many things from the first. Like, the effects are better. You can tell they have a better budget. Um, the action's done better. I, I, I don't know how else to say it, but it's just, like, everything from a production standpoint is done better. Yep. I agree. Um... And of course, Doc Ock, the villain, Alfred, Alfred Molina. I, I think he was an exceptional villain at the time, especially because he's really not a villain. He's yeah. not. I mean, like, he had an experiment go haywire, and he has microchips that made him insane, essentially. Yeah. But he himself is not bad. And I think that, at the time, in superhero movies, hadn't really been seen. Yeah. I, like that. I also think... As a more shallow point, I think he is an amazing action sequence villain. 
like oh, Doc yeah. Ock. So it's many such a things that you can do with the, with the arms. Yeah, the arms is just there's a lot of clever things you could do with it. You can make the action really interesting. He's he's a very like the action in this movie I think is fantastic too. And that's another thing where they really improve the budget and it kind of pays off pretty well because there's just a lot of really cool scenes and especially with Doc Ock. You know. Well, and I would also say from the storyline and and this is why Spider-Man 1 and 2 work so well together is cuz they feel extremely cohesive. Like, it feels like the events of the first one genuinely affected character motivations and choices in the second one. Like, Harry Harry and Peter's uh, friendship, you know, is rocky because of him losing his dad and, like, him having resentment towards Spider-Man. You know, they have the, again, kind of more grounded reality of, yeah, New York is expensive. Spider-Man doesn't live in some penthouse. He lives in a spot (laughs) with the Russian landlord being like, right? Give me my rent. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry for my Russian audience out there, but that's, I'm do it. Yeah. Um, so you know, like he he's struck, you know, he's struggling trying to to balance it all. Um, I, I think that was really interesting in seeing like an overwhelmed Spider-Man that like can't live all the lives that he's trying to do. Like it's like he can't be a student, he can't be a friend, he can't be a, a boyfriend. Like he's mm-hmm. he's failing on all these different fronts, and I, I yeah. think that's I think that's a I mean, I don't know. Just from a human level, I think that's relatable for sure. Oh yeah, very much so. It takes trying to do too much. It takes the. It makes Spider-Man very much a very good intro movie in describing like how Peter Parker came to be Spider-Man. And this is the second movie is fantastic in talking about the dilemmas that come with being a superhero, with how yeah. it affects your personal life, with how it affects the way people see you, with how it affects all these different things, and how you still have to be like a human sort of, but then you're also just like doing all this crazy stuff at night. It yeah. does a really good job of taking like a complex issue of like being a superhero in the real world and it runs with it very well. And I think it does a great job because the characters are so well developed. So it really goes into mm-hmm. the complexities of the relationship with like him and Harry. But even someone like how Aunt May is involved in it too, I think yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And like the way she's like dealing with the death of their uncle still. Yeah. And how she's kind of like his his rock, his ground for the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a very it, it, it's again you're right it is a, it is the perfect sequel to an well, already great first movie and I and would say the second movie's better honestly. Well, that's what Spider-Man three gets wrong when we talk about that is that I think they had too many cooks in the kitchen on that one and especially they they lost sight of keeping it about the characters. They I think they got more focused on like the set pieces and special effects and less about what the story of the characters is. Uh-huh. Um, but Spider-Man 2 does it exceptionally well. And and also, there is really some jaw-dropping action sequences in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I do like the bank heist scene where, you know, Doc Ock's chucking gold gold coin bags at Spider-Man, which I always kind of like, that's a little bit, like, on the cheesy side, because how many banks are having, like, bags of coins? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe they have change, like nickels and dimes and stuff like that. But... Um, then you have, of course, this, that spectacular skyscraper scene, which is shortly after the bank scene where, like, they're fighting up on top of the building. And yeah. some people might watch that now and be like, ah, special effects are, you know, there's some definite CG there, but yeah. it's still pretty damn good. It works. Uh, but, of course, of course, and then if you were, you know, if we talk back to the memes, uh, oh. you know, the, you know, Tobey Maguire looking like he's taking a crap face while he's trying to stop the train. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Rrr! like you know doing doing that but dude that scene uh seeing that on the big screen i mean like there is 
there's a lot of tension there, man. I mean, like this, the trains like going at like a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you really actually think that they, yeah, these people are going to die. Sam, okay, this is a <clears throat> Sam Raimi has a love for making his action sequences in construction sites. I don't know what it is, but when I think of like all the Spider-Man movies, there's always a construction scene action sequence, <laughs> or they're always just very like they're in like they're on top of a building, or they're in a warehouse where it's abandoned, <clears throat> or a building that's abandoned, or something like that. I feel like his set pieces for action sequences are very similar, and the subway action sequence is like a really dynamic change from that, and I think it works great in like showing like Spider-Man's limitations, Spider-Man's skills. Mm-hmm. All those different things and saving people. I, I, I like it a lot. It's a lot better than just the on an abandoned something and dropping people from a high place or dropping someone from yeah. a building or Mary Jane falling from a high place or whatever it yeah. may be. You know, like it's a, it's a very good change and it has some good memes that come with it too. Yeah. Joey well, Diaz sir. is in that scene too. Dude, I was I hope you're going to talk about it. Uncle, Uncle Joey. Uncle, Uncle Joey. Joey. <laughs> do, you ever, yeah. do you ever listen to, to his, his podcast? I've listened to it like a few times, but I'm not like too in deep in the Joe Diaz. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too deep into it, but I I do like his vibe. So he, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna curse here in a moment. So I'm not gonna add a bleep button. So you've been warned. Screen's big. Uh, I love how he opens it up because it's so Joey Diaz. He always starts off every podcast saying, "What's up, you bad motherfuckers? Like it's Uncle Joey. How you doing?" He, he he has uh you know he's got he's, he's Uncle Joey. There's nobody like him. He's a character. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I always forget. I always forget that he is. <laughs> <laughs> Just man in the subway. What a legend. But, I would, uh, dude. If you could, if you could see Joey Diaz live, would you go see him? I okay. I there's a lot of comedians I would see live, but comedy shows are so expensive, dude. I like. I'm, I'm like, uh, I would maybe go see Joey Diaz would definitely be up there of like a person. I, was, I, I, I would want to see him. I, Joey yeah. Diaz would probably be at like a pretty small venue too, or a dingy <laughs> place where it would be really cool to see him live. Yeah. I don't know if I, uh, if I told you, did I tell you that I'm going to go see, uh, Mark Marin here next month? Oh, really? Where at? Uh, Iowa city. He's going to be at the, at the Ingler theater. Oh, dude, that'll be really good. Actually. I like Mark Marin. Yeah, I, I like I like his WTF podcast. Uh, I also used to uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but he he for a couple of couple of years had a show on IFC uh, just called Marin, and oh. it was just kind of like you know almost like a Seinfeld where it's just like about his life, but not yeah. like, but not like a sitcom. Uh-huh. Uh, it ran for four seasons, and I, I really liked it. But interesting. But yeah, hey, you yeah. See, you see a few comedians right? Because I remember you've seen Tom Segura too, right? Yeah, he's coming back here. Um, oh, really? Wow. I, actually, I think he's going to be here this week. Like, he's going to be here, like, on the 26th or the 29th. I do love the name of this tour of just, I'm coming everywhere. Jeez. What a phenomenal name. <laughs> now, I've seen him. Um, I've seen Seinfeld. Um, I'm trying to think. There's, like, one or... There's a couple more I've seen, but I mean, those are the ones I think that stand out the most. But I do agree, like, a lot of them can be really expensive and, and yeah. prevent you from going. Um, yeah. Who would you There's... like to see, if, if not Joey Diaz? I mean, like, besides, like, the, you know, really expensive people like Dave Chappelle and things like that. 
we should oh my gosh we should talk about Dave Chappelle in a moment but I like I mean my favorite comedian I've always been listening to Bill Burr's podcast forever but he's so yeah, big the now Monday where, morning podcast. yeah but he like he's so big now where he only plays like at stadiums and I'm kind of skeptical to see a stand-up comedian like a place yeah. like like in a venue like that I just feel like it's, it would I just yeah I don't know how to feel about that because Thankfully, like the shows I've been to, it's, I mean, it's at a theater, like, don't get me wrong, like, there's probably, like, you could probably fit in, like, 500, 1,000 people, yeah. something like a that. Theater's, a theater is much more attainable, though, like, a theater yeah. is, like, Stand-up that works. Stand-up feels strange if it's, like, you're, like, at Soldier's Field, yeah. and there's, like, 60,000 people, like, how is that gonna be, like, enjoyable, or feel, like, organic, because it's just, like, how you doing, everybody? Yeah, and then the whole stadium just like goes crazy. You're just like, I don't yeah. know. It feels odd because yeah, because Bill Burr came recently, but he played at the Target Center, which is like yeah. the big basketball like arena we have, and it just felt like okay, like it would be me and fifteen thousand other people. And I just don't like. I don't know. I don't yeah. really feel the need to see something like that. Well, I don't. I'm like not. A, I like that ahead. Mark Marin. Like he still is willing to go to the smaller venues. Like he'll oh, yeah. do that, and like it's not a big deal. Like he does. I think he's done both. Maybe yeah. I don't think he's ever done a stadium though. I don't think he likes that. He's been pretty public. He's like, I don't like doing that kind of stuff. I feel yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you make a lot of money doing something like that, but it's also would you, just. Would you of, see? Uh, what was it? Uh, Gabriel Iglesias, the fluffy guy. I've <laughs> I've never I've never seen his stand up, but I feel like I probably wouldn't like it very much. I don't know. Maybe I I shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Right. But I feel like his jokes are just going to be, I'm fat, guys, look at me. Or I'm not fat, I'm fluffy, guys, yeah, look can, at me. He was on Hot Ones recently, and he's like, I own the word fluffy, basically. He's like, it might be <laughs> trademark to me, because when people Google it, it just comes up with him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, so I, I, I'm just trying to think who else. Who else would be good? Um, hmm. Are there any female comedians that you go see? There's not, not many. There's not, not a lot. Uh, I can't. Like Sarah Silverman, there's like Whitney Cummings. Uh, trying to think, there's, there's some of them are on at those Comedy Central roast shows. I can't think of them. Yeah, I honestly don't. I don't follow comedy very much. The most I follow comedy is like listening to Bill Burr's podcast. But as a whole, I don't. Do you like? That's, uh, that's uh, do, you like do, do you listen to his life advice? I like. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just like when you get so invested in it, you just like listening to it every week because you're just like so invested in it. And you kind of just know how he talks. I mean, also Bill Burr specifically, all of his jokes come from him just talking on his podcast and coming up with an idea. Yeah. So it just, it, it feels, and also like, I don't know. One of my problems with stand up comedy is it feels inorganic to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I know good co- good comics make it so it feels organic. But there is still very much the showmanship to telling a joke. And it just, it feels odd. And, like, especially listening to, like, Bill Burr so much. Like, I've watched some of his stand-up specials, and I, I can't do it. Because it just, it doesn't feel as organic as listening to his podcast does. Where it just feels like he's <clears throat> he's on stage, he's making this presence of himself and trying to make people mm-hmm. laugh. And you can tell he's trying to do that, and that just kind of ruins it for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like... And there's, I mean, like, I'm sure there's com- there's comedy out there that, like, is good enough where you don't, you don't feel that way, but I haven't run into a lot of it, honestly. <laughs> and maybe, I, I honestly, again, I haven't looked, I'm not that big in the comedy scene, I'm much more of a music head, 
Well, cool, yeah, but... I've always I've always known that about you. Yeah, um, but... I'd li- I'd like to go see more comedy. I mean, like if we if we could ever find like a show to go to together, that'd be fun, dude. Yeah, Minneapolis. They have they have like an Acme here where they have shows every week, and they're usually like ten bucks for just some like random stand up comedian that's touring. And sometimes they're like pretty bigger names, but sometimes they're just some nobody you could just go see and see if you like it or not, kind of thing, you know. Well, okay, Adam, would you ever do it? You open mic, you know, no. just go up there for like five minutes and just talk. No, <laughs> I, I just. Again, it goes back to there's a showmanship to it. There's a you have to think about the pausing. You have to think about yeah. the way the crowd is interacting with what you're saying. Yeah, and there's just all these too. all these social elements to it. I feel like it's just you're thinking too much about it, and then it kind of yeah. I don't know. It's a weird art form to me. It's a weird art form, and I, I have respect for it, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I would never do it for sure. Would you ever well, do it? I feel like you'd be pretty good at it, honestly. Uh, <clears throat> I I I I feel like. I could be selectively funny. Like there's I, most of the time, like if I end up being funny, it's I'm not trying to be funny. You know, yeah. like I get like okay, like you know this, like you know my little brother. I get teased a lot, and then yeah. people laugh at my reactions to stuff, or like they'll be like, "Oh, like, Jordan's mad," and then like <laughs> like my reaction is funny, but it's like unintentionally funny. Yeah. But that said, I do think I I can I can tell a story well. Like huh. I, I know how to do it well, and like I'm sure, like if I applied myself a little bit, it'd be good. But I think, I think like you, I would probably be afraid of getting too in my head about it. Like yeah. I, I'd have to like, it would take a while. I'd have to like relax and like feel comfortable with it. But at the same time, if I really like found like a good story, because uh, I, I definitely think it'd have to be a story. I wouldn't try to do like a here's like a bit. Like yeah. on, you know, farts or I don't know, so, something that people find universally funny. It yeah. wouldn't be that. Like I'd have to tell a story and, and have it feel organic because otherwise it's just going to, like you said, feel like too performancy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, there's certain ones that do it so well. Uh, I'll just t- say for the record and then we'll continue Spider-Man 2. Uh-huh. Um, George Carlin's my favorite stand-up comedian. George Carlin, that's a good one. Uh, hands, actually, hands down. I've, I've read actually almost all his books. Um, oh wow listen to many of his sets like the guy's timeless like he's so good i have listened to a few of his stand-up sets just like on youtube and i do he is pretty good but my favorite comedian is actually norm Macdonald. that's my rest in peace peace, dude i love norm Macdonald. i love his comedic style they haven't uh did you hear that they they he filmed a last like stand-up special like he shot it like in his living room because i think like he knew he was dying and he's like, I want to like get one more thing out there, like after I'm dead. Have you heard about this? Really? I have not. Oh my god. Yeah, Netflix, I think, actually picked it up, and they say that they're gonna air it. That's what I've heard. That I would definitely watch that. That would be interesting because I feel like he. I mean, his comedy is very like, "Hey, look at me, I'm dead, guys." <laughs> ah. Like that's very much who Norm Macdonald is, where he just like laughs about everything, or it's like, especially he has very dark humor too, where he just like takes a situation and just like tries to make it funny even like the worst never, situations you know i don't like, think i've ever actually watched him really do stand-up i've seen him on things and i've seen him like do like performances here and there but i've never like watched a full special yeah interesting i i like his stand-up a lot honestly because it's it's very similar to him like honestly he like he plays a character and even on like interviews and things he does with other people he's playing yeah. a character and like that's why it works kind of why i like his stand-up comedy 
because he's basically just playing that same character but it's such a genuine character and it just it works really well i think i don't know for sure but, so dude spider-man 2 spider-man 2 yeah, but uh, it's back to talk, it. Back to Spider-Man Two. This is definitely one of the most squirrely episodes that I've had on, yeah. on screen speak, where it's like we, we talk about Spider-Man, but then we talk about Joey Diaz, now we talk about the stand-up world. Like, There's a lot to talk about with these movies. There's a lot to talk about, man. There, there is. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think is if like what else I would say about Spider-Man Two other than that. I just I do think it is an improvement. I like Spider-Man Two more than Spider-Man One. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a great ending. I mean, like, uh, well, first, okay, wait, wait, sorry. Going back to the the train sequence, I think there's a lot of heart in the scene, like, when he's done and, like, the New Yorkers, like, literally see him without a mask, you know? Yeah. And they're just like, oh, shit. Like, I, I think it's nice. That moment to me was nice because, like, it's easy to, like, vilify somebody behind a newspaper article. Just yeah. like how we do on social media. It's just like, ah, I hate yeah, him. that Spider-Man guy. Yeah, because he has a mask on. He's just like, yeah, you don't see him like, as a human they, being. They see him as like a flawed, like just broken, literally broken. Like his body's like ripped up after yeah. doing that. And they're just like, you know, they have compassion for him. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a beautiful moment. That is... And it's pretty short-lived after that because I'm pretty sure Doc Ock is just like, get out of the way! Enjoy yeah. Um, that's a good point. Or then yeah. you have the, the classic moment, too, where then, uh, you know, uh, Harry discovers who he is. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that's a, I, and that's... I remember the trailers were marketing that really heavy. They're just like, yeah. a hero will be revealed. And it shows him going, like, let's find out he's under it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a good moment. Uh, and then, of course, the end, too, because MJ also finds out who he is. Yeah. No, yeah. Wait, I thought she found out. She found out in the first one, didn't she? No, like... It's actually really weird because, like, she has the moment where, like, he says the line that, like, he said to her under the mask and, like, he's yeah. walking away because he's like, you're so hot, but, like, I can't be with you. And then yeah. she goes, like, oh, like, like that. And then, like, turns around and looks. But it's kind of like the, is he, question mark, but not, I actually know it. That's a good point. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's, that's true. Because I guess, yeah, they never... They never went farther with, with that because then after that, Mary Jane starts talking with. I do really like the spaceman. What's his name? Spaceman. Uh, the the guy. She oh, was the engaged. astronaut boyfriend guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's playing football on the moon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, also like how like the. I love the little subtleties in the movie as well. Like the part, like when he's at that party and he keeps trying to get like a little appetizer and like, yeah. cause the last one, like you just like, ah, it's just like, dude, can this guy get it any worse? Like yeah. nothing is working right for him down to him getting the little crab cake. Like, yeah, <laughs> poor guy, dude. Uh, I, I also, um, <clears throat> I also like, this is kind of more like on the sweet romantic side, but I thought it works well is towards the end when, she sees that you know he's spider-man and i think his very first interaction like he's trying to hold that huge piece of rust you know yeah. and like she's like underneath him and like she's looking at him like so like she's shocked but she's like in love and she's like oh my god like you've been doing this this whole time and he yeah. has that moment where he's just like classic peter park he's like this is really heavy <laughs> you know and that's and that's and that comes through with toby that comes through with his performance he still does that's- like the vulnerable sensitive kind of dorky guy while yeah. being tough and that's oh, yeah. what i like that toby brought to it as opposed to the other spider-man he yeah. brought that vulnerability to it 
Well, his being tough is always an act, too. Like, it's always oh, yeah. a... You can tell he's putting on an act of being tough. And sometimes it pays off, but sometimes it also just, like, bites him in the butt, you know? Because he's just, like... He's being full of himself, and it just it just really comes back to bite him or that sort of thing. Like it's just it's a very humanized and character you would see yourself as. Like you just don't. Yeah. There's no like unbelievable arrogance to his character. There's no unbelievable, very specific like I don't know because that's that's the problem I have with superhero characters sometimes is is they have this one arc of like they act this way specifically or they do this thing because of this event that happened in their lives. But Tobey Maguire is just like a normal dude and he's just dealing with all these problems. And he, while he's like awkward and weird at the same time, he can be confident towards people. And at the same time, he can be Mm -hmm. funny towards people or whatever it may be. He's just, and you can kind of, I don't know. Okay. One thing I got to talk about, it's early in the movie when he's doing his his badass pizza delivery, you know, oh, swinging yeah. like the twenty boxes around, I like that because like he's like, I got ten minutes, and then like like they it's cl- it's really good editing because he's like looking and he looks up at the clock and then like do like a pan zoom in and it's just like oh he's got five minutes and he's like I'm not gonna make it in traffic so he changes into Spider Man and starts delivering uh-huh. pizzas and I yeah. still say Adam I still Adam I tell you to this day when he goes up into that building and they have the funny moment with the mops where he's trying to like put it all back and like the girls just like how did he like get in there like what <laughs> whatever uh-huh. dude she was baloney when she's like i'm not gonna pay for the pizza he was like oh 10 seconds late oh my god dude oh my god like, yeah that's do you ever get mad at that like i get mad at that to this day i'm like dude he sweated to get those pizzas to you that's i mean that's how like video game pizza deliveries go too where it's like you you show up five seconds late and you get zero stars and the lady's looking at you like, I didn't get my pizza in time or something like that. Or like, even or like if, Adam, even where's if my ordered, diet doctor kelp? Even if you ordered a pizza from a service that's like pizza free, like if you don't get it in 30 minutes or less and they do yeah. that, would you do that? Would you be like, I ain't paying for it, man? No. I mean, like, it depends. Does the kid have an does it have an effect on the kid, or does it have an effect on the corporation? Like, if Domino's That's is paying true. for it, then yes, I would do that. But I don't really know how that stuff works. But if the delivery kid is paying for it, no, I don't. And I feel like, in that sense, the delivery kid is the one probably paying for it. So I would, I would just be like, dude, I, I don't care. Like, thanks, thank you for delivering me this pizza, man. I appreciate it. You yes. got me the pizza at the end of the day. Like, you are a legend. Thank you. Speak, well, speaking of delivery pizza, who is your favorite delivery pizza? My favorite, my favorite pizza chain. No, so, okay. yeah, like just delivery specific. Like you're not gonna sit there and dine and have their pizza, but like if you're if like late and you want pizza, if I'm splurging, it's Papa John's because I love, I love the garlic dipping mm, sauce. That stuff is just unbelievable. I wow. usually I get Domino's the most because it's it's really cheap. Yep, and I, I just had deal. Domino's like like two days ago. Yeah, it's a good, it's good pizza, honestly. Like it, it does a good job, and you can get the like two medium, two topping for like six or seven bucks each. <clears throat> it's just a good deal as a whole. You can get as many pizzas as you want. So like me and all my roommates can get like six pizzas, and it's still only like thirty five bucks or something like that. So yeah. Domino's is definitely the best. Papa John's is the best if I don't care about money at the moment. The worst is Pizza Hut. Pizza oh, Hut is disgusting and it. terrible. Like, like, I like, I'd rather have Little Caesars because at least Little Caesars commits to the bit of like, we got five dollar pizza here. Here you go. I also underrated. I like Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's is good stuff, and 
I know it's annoying to like having to put the pizza in the oven after you get the pizza, but that's what we did a lot when I was a kid. And like it's it's really right. cheap and the pizza is really good. So I like I like Papa Murphy's as well. I, I live right by Papa Murphy's and oh, yeah, I've, def- a- I've definitely like just like walked and then like I'm gonna go get a pizza and then just gotta come back. Oh yeah, you could just walk to get a pizza. That would be really it's nice. Easy. It's oh. easy. I definitely yeah. do it. Um Dude. any other thoughts on Spider Man two? Spider-Man 2. Um, I mean, Doc Ock, tragic. I don't like when he has to drown himself. That is um, true. You know, it's uh, it's good. Some really good moments in it. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. But yeah. Spider-Man 2 is really like something like, even even if I go through and go like, ooh, like the special effects could be improved or that could be improved. Yeah. I do think it's like a, a near, if not perfect, superhero movie. It works on so many levels, and it's just a damn good movie. I agree. It's just there's a lot of complexity <laughs> of the characters. The vibe of the movie is fantastic. It's yep. lighthearted. It's doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time, deals with very serious issues. Yeah. And it does a really good job at dealing with those tones. Um, the action's fantastic. And do you, you know, know what you, does the complete polar opposite of that? What is <laughs> what Spider-Man is that? Spider-Man Three. <laughs> the transition, baby. He's unstoppable. Spider-Man Dude, 3. It is so crazy to me like how how far the quality fell from the, like the two movies. But I I honestly think and I have heard Sam Raimi like talk about it like I think like he he has taken ownership of the parts that don't work on that movie like where it counts. Yeah. But I think because Spider-Man 2, you have to remember money can corrupt and and make yeah. things too bad. Spider-Man 2 was a huge hit. It was yeah. huge. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like, one, we made out, oh, we made a lot of money. Two, whoa, we made a lot of money. Yeah. And then it's like, where do you think they want to go from there? They want yeah. to go bigger, bigger, yeah. bigger, bigger. And I yeah. definitely think that you could feel the the rush job. Because Spider-Man 3 felt like a rush job. It felt like the script got rushed to production. They threw yeah. more at it. It just, it's, yeah. a, mess. it's a mess. They They definitely were like... They made the scope too large, and they made the timeline too short, I feel like, where there was just all these different things going on, and it just made it so confusing. And I... it just made it so your heart... It was hard to understand what was going on and get the, the tone of what was going on, and, like, I don't know. The yeah, biggest I thing I think that... I think, like, the, the biggest offender in the movie, and there's a lot that I can point to, especially story-wise, but i really think they undercut the first movie by doing the whole alternate thing where it's like actually sandman helped killed uncle ben that is like, true that was uh, that I was really just weird think that took out so much of the emotion from the first movie and it's like why are we revisiting this why yeah, yeah. like that was settled it it helped like this is so stupid yeah so stupid. Oh, yeah and it just made it a weird like cuz i feel like the first movie but, like the whole point was <laughs> that it was just some dude that you know, Peter Parker could have stopped. And, like, I don't know. It was just weird how you just, you're adding more layers to this that we feel like don't really need to be added. And it's also, like, it felt like we're going back to this old movie that ha- or this yeah. the previous lore, and we're changing things around. Yeah, and it just it, feels weird. Yeah, it's like when a Terminator movie tries to, like, redo something from the classic movie. It's like, why? You don't need yeah. to do that. Don't touch it. It's good as is. No, yeah. Or it's like J.K. Rowling with the Harry Potter series. And, like, she's trying to go back now and say all these different things about all these characters. And it's like, well, I don't know. Why don't you just why don't you just write the characters like that? Or just, like, make... I don't know. It's just... I feel like there's a lot of, like, 
doing that never really works. I can't think of a moment where you're going back and changing the backstory in the yeah. new movie ever really works. I don't know. Mm, very few times, I would say, if ever. Like, like yeah. said, it's pretty rare. But so, yeah, I, I never liked that they tried to, like, reintroduce the Uncle Ben thing. Like, I really felt that was just lazy and it just didn't yeah. work. And then I think probably the biggest glaring thing as far as, like, what's jarring in Spider-Man 3, where you're just like, I don't know how I should take this was him going to like the dark thing because that's where more things yeah. have especially come out with toby mcguire being like emo peter the day of course <laughs> i mean it's hilarious but i still remember though the prop the problem with that is is that it's it's funny now like it, it's uh-huh. it, in hindsight i think it's hysterical i yeah, love him doing the dance like, like he's just, he's trying to be cool he's whipping his hair around like hey what's up let me show you how to move uh, uh. <laughs> there, there's so much stupid, cringy humor in it, but yeah. you have to remember, Spider-Man Two was like very serious, very yep. serious with subtle comedic moments, and then it's like they they made it so jarring when evil Spider-Man starts coming the thing, and it's like I just remember the audience like when you're watching it, like they didn't know. I'm like, am I supposed to laugh or is this like? Is, this is he serious? being just so like, like evil? Yeah, what's going on? And that's yeah. where like the tone was questionable. Where you're like, this feels like they're trying to make it serious, but it's actually coming off as stupid. Yeah. Or it, the tone just didn't quite fit. It works yeah. now because we can cut it into a, a two minute meme, and, and then nobody cares. And you have Boy McGuire. I do like the Boy McGuire stuff. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think yeah, for the movie, it's it felt very sloppy. And it just didn't really make much sense. And then, of course, yeah. we'll talk about Venom. I mean, I don't know about that casting. Topher Grace. Yeah. Venom as a villain is just... It's kind of a he, weird villain. He really shoehorned in there. And then yeah. the Harry thing where like, they pull like a Fast and Furious and he gets amnesia for half the movie. Yeah. And especially with the two <laughs> villains, too. And just, too I feel much. like you're never really... Yeah, it's too much. And they never were really fully able to develop either of the characters that you... I don't know. I would say Sandman is definitely a little bit, I would say, better than Venom for sure. Well, they, but... they, try, they try to sort of carry on the thread of a villain that's not really a villain. Yeah. The first one, you know, uh, uh, Nor- Norman Osborn kind of is a little bit of a villain because he's egocentric, but he didn't really mean to be going, you know, to go insane from the gas. Yeah. Second one, you have Doc Ock with the microchip experiment where he's trying to get fusion for the world. And then the yeah. third one, they kind of made it simple where it's like, well, I'm just like a good father, but I'm also a criminal. And I just want to yeah. see my daughter. And oh, there just happens to be a sand converter that turns me into a sand god. Yeah. And then just the character dynamics, too. They <laughs> Again, it goes back to they kind of just shoehorn Sandman in there. And so when you have someone like Green Goblin that yeah. has an established background and there's an established, this is the interactions they have with each other. But yeah. Sandman, like, you know, you just pull him in from, he. oh, he actually killed his uncle. And like he just... well, and then they try to throw in the the love triangle thing where it's like, oh, he's oh, yeah, going in love with Harry again. And I'm like, oh, God. get the fuck out of here. I'm like, no, Peter's her guy. Yeah. She likes Peter. Like, come on. No. Just because yeah. Harry's showing up. To, like, actually, no, she's isn't she, like, failing as an actress in the third one? Like, she's doing well. Yeah, and then they're just like, nah, like you're fired. You're yeah, fired. you're actually, yeah, because she was on Broadway, and then now she's just like, ah, you suck. <laughs> so I, yeah, I feel like, like I have the, no desire to watch Spider-Man three. I don't either. Yeah, the parts it's been, that it's I been like so long since the parts, of, 
the parts that I watch are the parts that have been memed. That's the only yeah. thing I like because it's just entertaining. But the rest of the movie, oof, it's rough. Yeah, it's just the the, the story is hard to follow, so it just makes it really slow and boring. Kind of okay, thing. you're just you're confused of what's going on. I don't know. So one thing I want to talk about, because and if there's more that you want to say about Spider-Man Three, we can. But I think this is the last subject that I'll that we can talk about, and then we'll start to wind it down. Yeah, no, we're good. I'm good with Spider-Man Three. It was a movie. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it. It's like yeah, yeah. stuff. You know, I, I like the dancing. Wish yeah. I could do that. Yeah, I yeah. should do that at my wedding when I enter the room. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do all of it. I'll lean into it. Um, no, so what, I, what I'm curious about is, of course, the the kind of... This is more on the grander scale of the, the superhero movies, but Spider-Man was at a time when they weren't worried about universe building. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just... It's a good movie. We're just trying yeah. to make a cohesive story from beginning to middle and end. I do think that they had... a Well, actually, that's not true. I don't think they actually wanted it to be a trilogy. Because really? Sam Raimi always, yeah, because Sam Raimi always talked about how he wanted to do a fourth one and and stuff like that. I don't think they intended for it to be a one, two, three. Uh huh. Um, but I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on superhero movies at the time when they weren't focused on trying to make this big expanded universe. Does it like was it better for that? Was it worse for that? Like, it's I I. I have a personal opinion of thinking it's better. And I mean, I was listening to Jonathan, your podcast with Jonathan, and we kind of have, we definitely have different takes on how we see things, but we also have very different backgrounds where he very much grew up in the comics. And he's like, the great thing about something like the Marvel universe, and people get a lot out of really going deep into watching every single one of these, understanding the lore that goes on into them. And I think the nerds of Marvel, like love, stuff like that happening and they love the general giant universe that's being created Mm -hmm. and also i think movie studios really like it at the same time because oh hell yeah it's a way to print money yeah it's a way to print money and like that's that's the part i don't like about it because it's it's very much like what i (laughs) was was honestly turned me off from marvel movies as a whole is they've just they've become westerns they've become so focused on printing the money and like the spider, like we talked about, the Spider-Man movies definitely have influences on the fact that they need to make more money. But especially the first two, yeah, it was very much just like, this is an idea we have. We're throwing it out there. We're investing this money into it. Let's hope it works. And it worked. And it worked great. And like they made a lot of money off of it. But the, I mean, like the problem is, the more movies you make of something that has like a similar like universe and background to it, the more yeah. that money mm-hmm. just becomes involved in it because there's already this, this standing idea of like all these Iron Man movies and the Thor movies, they've already made all this money, right? right? And those past movies just have so much influence on the new movies that are being made. And it just <laughs> has a huge effect on how the movie is made. It has a huge effect on the tone of the movie where you see every single Marvel movie, you know the exact tone that it's going to have. And it's a great tone, honestly. Like, I love Marvel movies, and they're very fun to watch. They're lighthearted, but they're also emotional, and they do a very good job of playing the lightheartedness of it and the quips of it and all these different things. But it's become so much of so many of those movies have that tone to it that it's just become boring to me. And they all they did they've all yeah. turned into the same thing. And the yeah. and that, that that was why one of the one of the movies I wanted to talk about these Spider-Man movies is it's so prevalent 
me being able to see that side of the Marvel universe and how they've transitioned into money because you watch the Spider-Man movies and it's not about that. Like it's just a completely different thing that you don't really yeah. see with superhero movies. I don't know. What's your take, Jordan? Um, I mean, I could I could say I probably echo a lot of the things you did. I'm not against the world building. It's clearly shown a lot of success for MCU, and I do think it opened the doors for other maybe lesser known IPs like like a, like characters to come in to the movies that maybe ordinarily wouldn't have been able to just have their own big budget solo movie. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely pros with it. <clears throat> But I think I'm very much with you when it comes to sort of where I feel the MCU is at right now. I feel it's kind of like it's sort of similar to how I felt like with Fast and Furious. And, and I'll tell you what I mean in a second. They're not at all the same type of thing. Yeah. But like I'll, this will make sense in a second. So I'm a, I'm a big Fast and Furious fan. I actually am. Like I, I've been there since the first one. I've been watching them. And he's, a, he's part of the family. Family and, and Corona. Um, I and eventually, eventually, I'm going to talk Fast and Furious on the podcast. I I think I've actually said that in a few episodes because there's a lot to cover. Yeah. <laughs> bad. Uh, but here's my point. The point is, is that the Fast and Furious movies were doing really great, and I really liked the evolution it was taking, particularly with five and then six, and then you had the tragic death of Paul Walker, and. <clears throat> Seven, it's like it started to like seven definitely started like pushing it where you're just like, okay, this is kind of cartoony. This is really getting dumb. You're you're losing sight of like what makes them special and like they're just trying to top themselves and just make more money. Uh, but it had the emotional weight of Paul Walker. But my my point with that is like to me, it's like that's where the, the franchise peaked. The story peaked at that point, and I felt like it could have ended just right there. It could have ended right there. And, and maybe, yeah, you could have done, like, a spinoff movie. You could have done, like, a Hobbs and Shaw. But, like, Fast and Furious was, like, a property. Like, you could have just stopped it there. It, it kind of re organically reached its conclusion. And I kind of feel that way a little bit with the with the Marvel movies. Because after they did so much time, like, a 12, 13-year period where they start with Iron Man. And yeah. they're building and building to this moment. You know, yeah. with Thanos and everything, and like you really did feel the stakes. You're like, wow, like this is great. Like, they, like things are coming together. Like this thing from that movie ties into this movie, and it's all working so well because it made sense for this big grand story that they're doing. Yeah. But now, it's like one of the first questions I think I had after Endgame is, well, now why do I really care? Because it's yeah. like you gave me the baddie of baddies in Thanos, where it's like literally the universe is at stake yeah. existence uh -huh. is at stake and so now it's like when i go and watch some of these movies it's like everything kind of just feels like it's not like oh well, well i mean the universe isn't gonna end yeah like i just i don't feel the weight of it as much and then yeah. i definitely think it hurts from you know they don't have uh robert downey jr you don't have chris evans you yeah. you don't have a fucking don't chat with bozeman anymore i mean that's yeah. a different that's a different reason but yeah I guess, I don't know, I, I sort of see it now as, like you said, it's like they, they figured out the formula from doing it for so long that yeah. they're now just like, uh, let's see, writers for you guys. Um, where should Ant-Man be? I don't know. Like, throw him over here in, like, the, the quantum realm. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen there? I don't know. Some colorful stuff will happen. And yeah. and, and he'll he'll get into some trouble, but he'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, like, I think... Just the do that. I just, like, I... 
I know they just announced at Comic Con that they are they are leading to new Avengers movies. They they talked about how there's going to be one called like the Shang or the Dang Dynasty. I don't know. And then there's the Secret Wars. I'm not a super nerd, so I don't know exactly what that means. Yeah. But I just I don't know. I kind of feel like they're not really solely focused on the character. They're just solely concentrated with that roadmap of like getting to phase five or six or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's so, like, I, I, and that and that might just be like the filmmaker snob in me a little bit that just likes a quality over quantity. It's like I I like a really tight character focused movie. Like I just like a movie that is focused on what's in front of it. It's not thinking ten movies ahead. Yeah, it's just trying but, to deliver a good story. Yeah, but I think like with the lead up to Endgame and different things like that, everyone was paying attention to that. And everyone had uh, a connection yeah. with very specific oh, so, and, Marvel and myself, yeah, and like I think it worked really well there. But you're right, where it's like when that goes away, and then you're just left with these either one-off Marvel movies or they're trying to do it again. It just feels like I don't know. But they're also they're they're rebuilding it with the exact same like way they've made Marvel movies, and it's just it's become tiring almost. Where it's like I, yeah. I hear those Marvel, I hear a Marvel quip now, and I'm just. Again, it's it's the movie snob. It's the movie snob in me. But I just like understand it's a Marvel quip. Yeah. I I guess it's funny, but I just know that it's coming, and I understand what it is, and I'm just like whatever. I also um, think it's, it's way harder. It's also way harder to keep up now because of Disney yeah. Plus. Because you have Loki, you have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you have WandaVision, you have shit. I mean, if you even want to count like Daredevil and Iron Fist and like all those guys, like that's. Yeah. Now, they're, they already announced they're doing the Daredevil film. I'm like, guys, I'm employed. Yeah. I have a I life. Mean, How do you want me to watch all this? I mean, honestly, I, I, that I might... I haven't seen Shang-Chi. I haven't seen Eternals. I haven't seen Thor 2. I haven't seen Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, I don't, I don't got the time. It makes me feel like, honestly, I think Marvel movies are starting to move more back towards all the nerds just being really into oh, it. God. I think I think that they are moving away kind of from being that mainstream. And you have things like WandaVision and, and like the TV shows they have now. And there's, I, I mean, there's still movies coming out that are like, I've heard are very good. I just don't really care to see them. But I think people who are really invested in superhero movies still get a lot out of them and really enjoy them. I think so. And that it makes me happy, honestly. Like, I hope they keep moving in that direction of kind of like, working really close with the really diehard fans and getting what the really diehard fans want instead of just trying to make like yeah. a like uh, another like you know iron man you know because i feel like you already did it you need another 10 15 20 years to start up this train again i feel like almost because <clears throat> i just feel like it's been it's been done and you're the specific way you make those movies has been done and you need something else now but I also feel yeah. like I don't know. I I another thing I wanted to talk about too, and maybe maybe we can finish our point about Marvel first. But I wanted to talk about streaming and how that has an impact, and just like movie theaters as a whole, and how that's kind of had an impact on the way movies are kind of made today. Sure. But do you have any last points about Marvel, Jordan, that you wanted to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think on Marvel. I mean, I I think I've said most of them. I, I'm sure, like, I, I think, like, what you said, like, there's still some of those movies, like, I'd like to see. Like, I'm sure if I po if I watched that Shang-Chi movie, I heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah. I would probably watch it and be like, yeah, you know, that was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, 
it also kind of comes down to like the target demographic. I do have to realize it's like I I mean like comic book characters and superheroes, but maybe not as much as as a lot of other people. Not as much as I right. thought I did. No, yeah. And I don't know. I, and I think I think more of my interests. You know, again, I I kind of go back to I want to watch more singular stories. I don't always necessarily care if it's like tied to a big universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess it's like I, I'm very mindful of when enough is enough. Like go out on the high note. I don't think things need to be recycled to death and you got to interchange things. And, and now that they have this multiverse thing, it's like, I just kind of feel like they can do anything and everything and nothing matters. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just might not be, it might not be for me like in the long run, but that also doesn't mean that from time to time I won't jump in and check it out. But yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a time, at least with the MCU, at least for a long time where I'm going to have that, that sort of lightning in a bottle moment like everybody else was having where we started to organically follow these these characters starting with Iron Man and yeah. feel because it, it it was it had never been done before. That's why it was different, is because it yeah. it, was, it was different at the time. It was special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, now yeah. it kind of feels like, you know, you're trying to kind of duplicate the same thing again, but that's where it's like you need an artist to come in and change it up. Find yeah. a new way a new angle into it to make it different. Yeah, no, yeah, and I mean, that's maybe it. they'll be able to do it, but I feel like just doing the same thing over again is not going to work. Like, that's not going to work for me, at least, but maybe yeah. it'll work for other people. Maybe I'm just, again, maybe I'm just a snob, but okay, right, so, so you, now you had a point that you wanted to make about streaming, and then I, I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll start to, I said, start to wind this down before, but actually wind this down because I, yeah, I guess start, I'm, not, I'm starting to get hungry. Like, I yeah, me food. too, man. Okay, so I want, I want to talk about. Um, just kind of the movie cinemas today and how it operates post-COVID because I think COVID really changed the game on how movies are made. It changed the game on how people watch movies and it really changed the game on like where the money comes from and all this all this different stuff. And streaming services have kind of been the big part of that where now you have movie theaters. And I feel like I'm glad movie theaters didn't die, but they did kind of die in a sense where what you see at the movie theaters today are things like those big blockbuster films like Jurassic World Part 7 or another Marvel movie or all these different things that like everybody yeah. knows the name recognition for and they can go see the movie. And it's kind of stuck with like I feel like there are, you're not going to get many like independent films at movie theaters these days because streaming has kind of taken over for that process where yeah. <laughs> streaming is so easy to do and it's so easy to have an idea for a movie get it picked up by someone like netflix like hulu whoever it may be and be like i like this guy's idea this is just like random dude that has a script i like his idea let's throw a million dollars and we'll try to make this movie yeah. and then they can just throw it on their mm-hmm. streaming service and then some people can just like watch it and then be like oh guys you should check out this cool new movie that was like completely different so i feel like these these really smaller budget movies don't really have a shot anymore at movie it theaters me, it makes me sad it makes yeah it's really sad because like i don't know you just don't really see it unless you have like very like indie film movie theaters which those are definitely around but you're not going to get those in mm-hmm. Like you need big cities and different things like that to get places like that. Or I mean, Iowa City has a artist theater, I know, and those are things that I think should be protected because yeah, it is a different experience seeing something in the movie theater. But at the same time, it's just it's just kind of changed course at this point where 
you're only really going to get the big blockbusters and movie theaters and those smaller budget films are just going to go straight to streaming services because that's what people want and like people don't want to commit to a movie that they have no idea what's going to happen and there wasn't a lot of money thrown into it that's kind of sad but it also like i think it it's sad in a sense where the going to a movie theater and seeing a movie that you haven't heard of the idea of it before you've just heard like all you've right. heard of is the concept and the concept is intriguing and you go to the right. movie theater and see that it's kind of gone honestly and it's kind of been taken over by i mean the streaming services but it is really good i think for those smaller movie makers to be able to get funding for movies because there's so much less risk that's involved with it right so it is nice where you can like you can just like I've I've watched quite a few independent films lately that have been great that just went straight to streaming services or mm -hmm. just went I had a few select showing at theaters but then got bought out by Netflix. Right. And I it's good to see that honestly because it makes it so there's so many good movies coming out right now and I just don't have time to watch all of them but I don't I wish. <clears throat> What's your take on that Jordan? I mean there's there's a lot of different thoughts I have on that. It's again this is another subject that could easily take up an episode or two because there's yep. a lot to talk about. Uh COVID changed a lot. Changed a lot of things. Uh I'd say arguably for the worse when it comes to entertainment. Um yep. so so there's a I don't want to sound like negative, but I will kind of get like my reservations out about things. Um one and this is just purely I think me from like a lack of of business understanding the business model of streaming actually confuses me i mm -hmm. don't see how there can be as much profit in certain senses to do things on a streaming platform versus um people actually physically going and or buying the actual physical media etc cetera, etc cetera. especially mm -hmm. when you have um streaming props streaming services have this problem all the time where it's like one person has an account but five people are using that yeah you know and i mean i i do it too i use my yeah. brother's i've used my brother's netflix before i've i've done like the same thing with like hulu and, and things like that disney mm -hmm. plus so business wise like i just don't get where the money is i guess so yeah. I, I i need to be i need to educate myself more on that because obviously there must be the case for it being there because otherwise you know let's not forget these these places that are putting out this these movies these entertainment it's a business Make yep. no mistake. Money, money is going to drive things. Oh, yeah. um, so I don't understand that. The other thing I'll say, though, too, on the plus side, it is nice to be able to see different stories, get a different audience and be a little bit more accessible than someone that doesn't want to take the chance on seeing like a 20 million dollar budget movie, you know, yep. over like a person going insane on an island and there's a robot. I don't know. I just yep. thought it was like a weird, weird movie. Oh, yeah. um, but then Here's the other thing I'll say that I have kind of pause and concern about is oversaturation. Mm -hmm. I think kind of where the market's at right now, it's it's dangerous because now there, there's like a, an influx. There, there is so much content to choose from that yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe I just kind of come off as a simpleton a little bit, but before streaming, it would be easier for me to be like, okay, here's what's in theaters. I can go check out the video store. And, and that's cool, but now it's like, dude, like I don't even know where to begin. There's Paramount yeah. Plus, there's Amazon, there's Hulu, there's there's Disney Plus. Uh, shit, ESPN has its own streaming services, and they do original movies sometimes. Like there's, and, and they're only growing. Like there's Peacock, you know, there's Peacock originals. There's, yeah. uh, you know what I mean. I, I can keep going. So 
I worry about that side of it a little bit because then it's like, again, it's just going to go back to the the quantity over quality. There's just going to yeah. be so much that I got to sift through. And I'm just yeah. like, ugh. Uh, I also, personally speaking, you know me, I'm a movie collector. Uh, I'm still a very big advocate for physical media. I, I still yep. think there is a value to it. So it definitely cuts into that market and it hurts. Yeah. Um, but I also do get encouraged. I get encouragement from the people I actually see online because I'm a part of like some of those like different fan groups that are like, you know, movie collectors, 4K enthusiasts, things like that. And there's a lot of chatter. There's yeah. a lot of chatter on those things. So it does give me hope that there is still people out there like me that mm. have an appreciation for this thing and that it hasn't all gone to, you know, just being on a on a streamer platform and I'm just the old dinosaur that doesn't get it. Oh, so, yeah. so that's good. Um, but I think the sad thing for myself, and I guess, yeah, I guess overall I don't feel as positive about it. I guess that's the thing. I'm not saying it has many positives. There are some. Um, yeah. But I do think that while there are different opportunities that are afforded to a $20, $30 million movie, I just think mass audiences sometimes miss out on the fun of taking a chance on a movie that you don't know much about and actually going to watch it as a communal experience in a theater. That's true, yeah. I just think that there's something that you miss out on that that'll never be the same when you're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it makes me sad that that's the only thing basically that's going to get people out now is seeing just an established IP or something yeah. with a shitload of money thrown at it. Like we yeah. can't get people to go out and just genuinely take a chance and be like, hey, I saw this movie that like only a few people have like really heard about. But man, this thing's great. And then watch it grow and become yeah. big because of word of mouth. Oh, yeah. I think that's probably I think that was. I was listening to a podcast talk about it, and that's what they were saying was a problem with like the Northman, where there's no standardized IP, and they tried to make this really big budget movie oh, yeah. theater movie, but you also made it like an artsy film at the same time for people who like you know are more interested in doing things like going to mm-hmm. a movie theater and seeing an artsy movie like that, and just like. The two different ways that movies can be created and like the idea of like just going to see a movie and committing to a movie and just like having no idea what it's about. Yeah, I, I just feel like you don't really see that today, which is you're right. It is kind of sad. And like I there think, was there are so many points you made in there that I want to talk about. But I know we don't have a lot of time. No, now. I know. I know. When I we do when I, we do sorry. when we do when we do the next podcast where we don't talk about a movie and we can just talk about whatever. We yeah. can talk about this more then, I think. That's actually but, a perfect way to end things because we'll give a little teaser for what's going to yeah. come on that. So oh, yeah. I, I do have one more point, uh, just small point to make on this. And this might be grandstanding a little bit. I might be reaching a little bit as far as a it's point. It's on soapbox. Uh, I, I actually say that a lot, dude. I go on rants. I'm, I'm good at it. <laughs> There's a reason I have a podcast. I got to get the I got to get the thoughts out. Um. Something else that I don't think a lot of people realize that I'm going to argue this. I'm going to argue and say that this is a negative of streaming. So you know how I talked about how I'm kind of old fashioned, so to speak, and I like the theater experience. I like going to the theater. I like going with a group of friends, family, whoever, and and sitting in the darkness and having the the overpriced popcorn. I, I, I like it. Yeah. Something I think that kind of happens is the more and more that we get to a place where people are able to do things from the comfort of your couch, it's like the closer we're getting to the Wally days where everybody's going to be overweight, they're going to be sitting on their ass in a hover floating chair with a screen in front of them, and they never actually have to go out and socialize. 
And that's that's something that I kind of again, this is why I say it's a little bit grandstanding here, but if I can just comfortably like watch these, you know, these movies on my couch, like let's say like I'm kind of into like a niche horror movie, because there's there's definitely a lot of like weird horror community uh, movie crowds out there online. And let's say like that's kind of my jam and I'm into it. Well, great. I can watch it and I can pause it at my leisure and kind of watch it as I go, but I don't really have to experience it like I would in the theater. And then more so when I want to talk with other people in the same community, mm-hmm. I'm going to only do that like how we're doing right now. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to do it either virtually or I'm going to do it through a forum and not even see the person's face. And my point behind all that is, is that in some way, I guess I just see it as a further deterioration of people being able to socialize with one another and learn how to actually share their passion for something in the same space and not do everything from the comfort of your couch. So I I don't know. That's none of that maybe made sense. Maybe some of it did, but no, I think I I, I just think that it's just, it's yet another step to get us to be further disconnected from each other because I don't have to physically see you to do any of this stuff. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's not the same, man. Like if I if I'm in the same room with you right now, and I like if we had watched Whiplash together, yeah. Like oh, that's, man. The, that's the I just say that because that's the last movie I can recall you and I physically being in the same space and watching together. Awesome. It's not the same. No. Oh, yeah. It's not it's all not. the same. No. Yeah. It's a completely different experience, and you're right that like there's an isolation that comes with streaming services and watching a movie at home and then going on Twitter and talking about this movie that you enjoyed seeing and everyone else should go yeah. watch it or telling your friends about it over the phone or something like that. There you is need to do things in person. Sorry. Yeah. I think yeah. you did. No. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I guess my, my last point and then I'll tease the, the upcoming uh, episode, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. I just think my last point is that like people, need to work on socializing a little bit more um you know technology is great actually you know i'm sorry that's not my point i was that sounded like me being the old man yelling at the class <laughs> i wasn't doing that uh i had i had the point so this is what happens when you're almost talking for two hours straight um okay this is it <clears throat> my my final point on everything is that i do hope that streaming and the theatrical experience can coexist mm-hmm. i would like it to but I don't want one to overpower the other, I yeah. guess. I mean, I would like theaters to come back. And I, and I do think that theaters, in a way, they are coming back more. I mean, there have been other movies that have made some money at the theater besides just Top Gun 2. Like, there there, there have been ones. Yeah. Will it ever be like the days before COVID? Probably not. I mean, no. COVID changed the landscape. It's just, it's kind of the way it is, and people have to accept that. I think it was it was moving in that direction, and then COVID was just it a was. final blow. It just whacked it, you know. But. I just hope that either if it's people in the community that have to organize it or something, but just if anybody's listening that likes to stream their stuff and they like to watch movies only from the comfort of your couch, more power to you. God bless. But just don't forget that there is a unique experience to be had and and one that could potentially be a little bit more wholesome if you are actually spending time with people in person and watching movies i don't care how you do it even even if i guess you know if if this is how it works for you like if you're going to watch a streamer but you at least have like five guys coming over to watch it then great 
-hmm. Just just make sure that you're doing it with people and don't always do it solo. Because I just yeah. think that social component to movies is is very, very important. And I don't want to see it die. Yeah. No, yeah. Done.